Uh, the Bible reading today is from Second Peter chapter three, verses ten to thirteen. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Thank you, Hans. That was, um, that was wonderful. Um, may I just say the choice of the songs this morning were absolutely marvellous. That Beulah land. Uh, you had me looking on Google this morning. And uh, I have got nothing like your rendition. It was uh, fantastic. Um, all I could find was uh, um, Beulah Land is Israel. It port- portrays Israel and what the Lord has in store for the Israel, the uh, Jewish people. Sorry. That's just like at home, throw it on the floor. (laughs) I'm I'm house trained. Uh, Good morning everybody, it's absolutely wonderful to be here. I was um, quite blown away when Pastor Keith uh, rang and asked if I would come and uh, take the service today. Uh, Mind you, I was about third on the list, but never mind. (laughs) Others kept dropping like flies and having their ankles um, operated on. Um, But... um, He's set a pretty high standard. I've, I've been over here for a few of Keith's sermons. We're over here. Yes, I'm from the beach. However, I love coming to this church. It is just, just beautiful. And I love his style. He's just easygoing. And as he explained to me, um, as we were talking on the phone, he said that when something's placed on his heart, then he starts looking in the Bible for something to bring to you folk. And he's just got a fantastic method and way of bringing all his, um, his wisdom to you. Um, and he's entrusted me with today's sermon. Um, not of his choosing, but I will say that most of you would know Bert Bunny. And I ran this past Bert and he didn't hit me. So it must be pretty good. <laughs> and there weren't many changes. <laughs> okay, um, But if I could just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this wonderful gathering today. We think of Pastor Keith and Elizabeth and the children and just pray for a time of wonderful refreshing for them, Lord. Of course, we pray for a speedy recovery for Tony as well from this operation. And Lord, we think of Bert down in Bejewel, Bert and Alison, and we just pray for them while they are down there ministering to your folk down there. Lord, I pray that you will allow your words to come through me. Have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts open for your word. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, we've had our scripture, and you'll notice that the, um, the title was The Day of the Lord. Sorry. Um, 
But I want to introduce you to some people from a town of Berea. Before we get into that passage, they were known as Bereans. And they searched the scriptures to see if what was being taught by the apostles was a fair thing. The New Living Translation says the uh, the people of Berea were more open-minded and some translations have more noble than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. They were called more noble because they readily accepted what was being preached to them where the people in Thessalonica started to question and argue and bicker a little bit and uh, cause a little bit of dissension. But because they had studied the Old Testament, they could make sure what they heard from Paul and Silas was validated in the Old Testament. And today, we're reading what Paul wrote, so shouldn't we be as ready as those Bereans to study what is being said and to be sure we understand what we are reading. Just like the Bereans, we need to search the scriptures and not rely on broadcasts. When we read the book of Revelation given to the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, we can know what's going to happen. And then when we see what is going on in the world, that is being reported as news, we can say, ah, that lines up with the Bible says. Daniel mentioned that. Ezekiel mentioned that. Matthew mentioned that. Um, John, in the book of Revelation, mentioned that. Many of today's world headlines could have been written just by reading what was prophesied through the Bible thousands of years ago. We've got heaps of examples. Um, the example of Israel being given their, ten- their country back in 1948 when they were able to regain Jerusalem in 67. Um, there's talk of one world government. It's all in Revelation, if we care to look. At global currency, and we can go on, but we won't bother because it's too depressing. But regarding prophecy, we're told in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. In other words, be a Berean. Now, our Bible verse was the day of the Lord. And I won't bother reading it again because I can't do it as well as hands. But it says that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. That's one piece we need to think about for a moment. And that it, I'll, I'll skip a little bit down, and it says that the, uh, the earth will pass away, the elements will melt with fervent heat. Um, uh, it says that we are to look for the day of the coming of God because the heavens will be dissolved. So we're going to look at what the verse says about the day of the Lord. We need to be aware 
that this is going to be bad news for non-Christians. When we see in the Bible the day of the Lord, um, we can read in Isaiah 13, 6, Scream in terror, for the day of the Lord has arrived, the time for the Almighty to destroy. Jesus will come back as it's been prophesied in the Bible. There will be no warning. Nothing has to precede the coming of Jesus. However, we're told to be watchful. Just as a sentry on a watchtower would sound an alarm if he saw someone coming into the city, we are an enemy coming into the city, we're to be vigilant. In Mark 13.35 it says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. And the owner is Jesus. Whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. That means as followers of Jesus, we have to look at the responsibility that comes with being a watchman. Now, I was here a few weeks ago and Pastor Keith was talking uh, to us about the book of Habakkuk. And he mentioned the watchtower then, and I'm sure you'll remember that. In Ezekiel 33.6, it says, if the watch, But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. That's the non-follower of Jesus. That's, that's the sinner. But the sword is coming and the watchman has not warned the person. And here's the important piece. I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. So if we know something and don't tell someone about it, that sinner will die, but the blood is accounted to us. may send shivers down your spine. But I'd like to submit to you today that the followers of Christ will not be caught unaware. It's my belief that the non-followers will be the ones who will be unaware of what's going on or what's going to happen until it's too late. Jesus will come back the Christians will be taken up to meet Jesus in the air. And can you imagine what confusion there's going to be when we don't turn up for work? I say Christ followers and not just believers on purpose. The Bible says that even the evil one and his angels believe there's a Christ. Followers are imitators of Christ. Those who live a life pleasing to God. They will be watching for Jesus and won't be called unaware. Paul wrote to the people in Thessalonica in 5 verses 1 to 4. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. So, 
He's saying to the people in Thessalonica, they know it's going to happen just as we know it's going to happen. Be aware. When people are saying everything is peace and secure, then disaster will fall on them. This is in verse 3. As suddenly as a pregnant woman's labour pains begin, and there'll be no escape, that you aren't in the dark about these things, verse 4. Dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Believers following Jesus won't be one of them. I'll just read that again. Then disaster will fall on them. It will not fall on believers of Christ because they know and they're watching for him. If that describes you as a follower, then the promise that was given to Paul to write to Timothy is for you as well. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Do you love the idea that Jesus is coming back? It's fact. It's happening. It's prophesied. By that mean, are you truly ready for the Lord's return? If so, it will impact the way you live. We're told in John, uh, 1 John 3.3, 3, and anyone who has this hope in him, the hope of Christ's return, purifies himself just as he is, in, is pure. This simply means that you're living a life that is right. You're prepared. You're looking forward with anticipation to the return of Jesus Christ. If you're living that way, then God promises you a crown of righteousness on that final day. Those who follow Christ will be caught up to Jesus in the rapture. Now, some people will argue that the word rapture isn't in the Bible. But if we are like Bereans, we can go on close, in closer uh, scrutiny, we'll see in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, after that, we who are still alive and left, that's those after the followers that died have been raised from the grave, we will be caught up together with them in clouds, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. The Latin translation of this verse uses the word rapturo. In Greek it translates to apazo, which means to snatch or take away to seize or snatch in relation to an ecstasy of spirit or the actual removal from one place to another. So if you hear of someone saying, oh, show me the word rapture in the Bible, you have to look at the translation of the word they used. So there can be no doubt that the word used in verse, verse 17 indicates the actual removal of people from earth to heaven. 
So if we keep reading in our scripture today, in 2 Peter 3.10, the, earth, the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now you remember Peter. He wrote this. I, I always call him impetuous Pete. He, if there was a chance of him putting his foot in his mouth, he took it and ended up with both feet in there. However, we know he was a fisherman. He didn't have a science degree, yet he writes that the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Here he's saying that the earth and all that's in it will be broken into its smallest atoms and destroyed. The Holy Spirit gave him this to write down, not necessarily understand. Now, with today's knowledge, we can make sense of what he wrote. And some of us are old to remember when they had the atomic bomb threat and all the rest of that stuff. And, uh, of course, all the uh, um, practice runs they had at, at letting it off and the terrible devastations. But there's a song that comes to mind. Don't worry, be happy. You won't be here. Followers of Christ will have already been raptured. And verse 11 goes on, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what, manners, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? This is an instruction as to how followers of Christ are to live. What kind of people ought you to be? This can be translated into what kind of people are you to be or must you be in holy conduct and godliness. Clearly, this message is not an admonition to watch world events so that we'll try to fathom out where Je when Jesus will return. Instead, his instruction is to watch ourselves. What kind of people ought you to be? Certainly not looking under every rock. This would suggest Paul is talking about being vigilant about our own spiritual state, as well as being circumspect and spiritually awake as we get on with life. The danger is that if we do not watch ourselves, that is, continually take stock of our condition and responsibilities, self-indulgence and material concerns may distract us and we'll find ourselves spiritually unprepared when the day comes. Now, just in case you've got your mobiles ready to text Pastor Keith and wonder why he allowed me to come and tell you this, I'm going to give you some encouragement because we're, that's what we're told in the Bible. We're told to encourage one another. The whole premise beside and be, behind the sermon is to give you reason to speak out to your family, friends and work colleagues, anyone you may think that they don't yet follow Jesus. There may be someone here today who's never come across these passages in the Bible. There may be some that have a 
knowledge of Jesus, a vague idea there's a Son, Holy Spirit, God the Father. Some may see, sorry, some may say, I lead a good life. Overall, I'm a pretty good person. I can't see why I won't be able to go to heaven. And whilst that may be very commendable of them, good people don't go to heaven. Followers of Christ go to heaven. He's got a new address for you, a new passport that will be issued and stamped with the blood of Jesus, our Saviour. Another song came to mind, and um, Lynn mentioned the uh, Psalm 95, and it says that God has the world in his hands. Some of us tune out, you're too young. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole wide world. And that's all I'm going to sing. That was number one for months when I was a kid. But it came to mind that God has his hands around our world today. But someday, he's going to let it go. And we've got to be prepared for it. And other childhood memories. How about learning the alphabet? A is for? Apple. B is for? Banana, baby, was the one that come to mind. Now, C is for? Well, I went to a really good school. C was for what? Oh, my goodness. Well, I went to a pretty good school. I went, C is for Cadillac. <laughs> no, I didn't. It was just a public school. <laughs> and we moaned on with all the rest of the alphabet. And some will see it pretty childish. But, you know, there's a child-like way of explaining what each of it has to do individually to reserve a lightning-fast trip to heaven. A is for admit. Admit that you're a sinner. Romans 3.10 says, As the Scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned, we fall short of God's glorious standard. Sin entered the world through the incident in the Garden of Eden. B is for believe. Believe that Jesus died for you. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to truly accept that Jesus died, was placed in a tomb, but he rose from that grave. C is for confess, or call, if you like. Call out to him. Confess to him that you believe in him. Romans 10.9 If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.13 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is absolutely no way we can save ourselves. D. We only go to D. Okay, we're not going through the whole alphabet. D is for decision. Now, it's no good the first three. Admit, believe and confess. You must make a decision. And the decision is to repent, to turn from your sinful life. Acts 3.19 says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. When you come to the New Testament, that, that word is metanoia. It, it, the, the Greek word for repent is metanoia. It literally means to change the mind. Repentance fundamentally means to change your mind about something. It has to do with the way you think about something. You've been thinking one way, but now you think the opposite. That's repentance, changing of the mind. If you've done this previously, that's absolutely wonderful. If you've never had the opportunity to receive this precious gift, then today's the day. Now is the time to do something about it. I'd like to read a little bit of... Um, I'm not sure it's a poem, I'm not sure what it is, but, and I have no one to give credit to, but it came to us through... Um, you'll, you'll know... Uh, Helen and I run a, a lead a group for seniors called SALT, Senior Adults Living Triumphantly. And one young lady of about 81 came up with this, and I'd love to read it to you. I look at the mountain. It's too hard, Lord, I said. I cannot climb. Take my hand, he whispered. I will be your strength. I saw the road. Oh, it's too long, Lord, I said. So rough and long. Take my love, he answered. I will guard your feet. I looked at the sky. The sun is gone, I said. It, it's, all, it's already growing dark. Take the lantern of my word, he whispered. That will be light enough. We climbed, the road was narrow and steep, but the way was bright. And then when the thorns reached out, they found his hands before they found mine. And when the path grew rough, I knew it was his love that kept my feet from stumbling. Then I grew very tired. I can go no further, Lord, I said. He answered, Night is gone. Look up, my child. I looked, and it was dawn. Green valleys stretched below. I can go on alone now, I said. It was then I saw the marks. Lord, thou art wounded. Thy hands are bleeding, thy feet bruised. Was it for me? He whispered, 
I did it gladly. And then I fell at his feet. Lord, lead me on, I cried. No road too long, no valley too deep if thou art with me. We walked together and will forever. I heard a few years ago, everyone's got a sermon in them. And that sermon could be your testimony. And mine's very, very short. And I just heard someone go, ah. I decided to follow the Lord. And I guess I approached the whole idea as fire insurance. I looked at the alternative. Heaven or hell. But God accepted me. As that stumbling step of faith that I took, He has blessed me so much since that day. God has allowed me to grow in faith that Jesus had me in mind when they put him on the cross. That he died for your sins and the sins of your loved ones. And if someone needs to learn the A, B, C and the D, take it to them. It's so simple. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done, what you're going to do, what you've promised us. The world wants to pull us this way and that way. The world wants to fit us into a mould. But Lord, you made us perfectly. Psalm 139 says, you, you knew me before I was born. You knit me together. Lord, I pray for each person here today that they are right with you because we know, Lord, you are coming back and you can come back in the twinkling of an eye. With no fanfare, it'll just happen. So, Lord, I thank you. I praise you. And, Lord, we want to end our worship with the most wonderful hymn, Because He Lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.